Man, I'm excited to get in the book with you guys this morning. I'm excited to talk about what we're, what we're going to talk about today. Um, and, and we've been going through this series, the volume of the book. And so what we've been looking at is, or, or what, our, what our goal is as pastors, um, is we want you to be familiar with the Bible as a whole. Okay, because a lot of times, you know, we, we can know a few stories here and there, but, but we don't have a, a full grasp of, of the book, right? And so, you know, I think it'd be a, it's a good idea for us to have a good understanding of how the Bible works together as a whole. So, so if, if, if the Bible is a map, we want you to be able to see it like it's the whole world, right? There's a time and a place where you're going to need to see a map of, of Iola, Kansas, right? So you're going to need to dig into a book and you need to deep dive into chapter one of Galatians, Right? But, like, we want to give you a full picture of the entire map, right? Not just, not just the town and the, and the, you know, the little the city that you're located in. Does that make sense? We want, to, we want to give you a full view of the scriptures. And so we're going to go through the volume of the book. And a big part of that is that we're going to have to, we've got to start at the beginning. We've got to start at, like, we've already, we've already gone through two weeks of this, and we're, we're just now getting to verse 3 of the Bible. And so you're thinking, man... This is going to take forever because there's 66 books in the Bible and we're just in verse 3 of the first one and we're on the third sermon in the series. Like, what's, this is going to take forever. And it might take a while, but it's not. But we're going to pick up the pace. We're going to get through the first chapter today. Um, but if we don't set up the beginning, uh, then, then none of the rest of it is going to make any sense. And so we're going to continue in our series on the volume of the book today. And today we're going to look at... Um, the capstone of creation. That's what we're going to look at. But let me just remind you where we were last week. So last week we looked at the fall of Lucifer. And we saw how uh, he, be, he became lifted up in pride. And as a result of his rebellion, he lost his position as the anointed cherub. And, and as a result of that, he was cast down into hell. And as Matthew twenty-five forty-one tells us, that this place, hell, was created for the devil and his angels. So this place was not intended for man, it was intended for Lucifer, for the fallen angel, right? When we joined in, in with that rebellion, we'll get to that in chapter 3, it became a place where we, where we joined him, but it was not intended for us. And then we also uncovered that the likely time frame in which this fall took place was in between Genesis 1, 1, and 1, 2. And if you weren't here last week, you're like, what? That's intriguing. Well, I would encourage you to go back and listen to last week's sermon. I'm not going to preach it again, um, but we're going to continue on because today what we're going to look at is the first six days of creation, and what we're going to see is how God brings order to the void. That's the first thing we're going to look at is how God brings order to the void, and the second thing we're going to see is how mankind is the capstone of creation. The crown jewel of creation is sitting in this room today. Right, and so I want to give you the TLDR. Right, this is this is my my new thing. I'm going to give you the too long didn't read version of this sermon. So if you want to know what we're going to talk about, this is what we're going to talk about. Mankind is the pinnacle of God's creation, and so as such, we are of eternal value to God. Despite what academia will tell you, you're not an animal. He has a distinct plan and purpose for each and every one of us if we would simply humble ourselves and seek after him. 
That's the TLDR. That's what we're going to talk about today. So let's pray. Lord Jesus, we come before you. I pray that you would just give us insight and wisdom from your word. Lord, we don't need man's wisdom. God, we need your word to speak. So I pray that as we uh, walk through the first chapter of the Bible, Lord, that you would reveal how you've had a plan from the very beginning for us. And Lord, I pray that we would have a heart to, to respond to that plan and that we would join in on it, Lord. You're not going to force us to, but you invite us to participate in it. And so, God, I pray that today would be the day that we, uh, that we would receive that, Lord, and that we would participate in it. And God, we love you. It's in your name we pray, Lord Jesus. Amen. So, we're going to read the entire chapter of Genesis 1. But as we do it, I'm going to kind of break it down for us so that we can understand what's going on. So, um, order to the void. This is, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And so, without getting too far into last week's sermon, um, I just want to put, a, two, put forth two undeniable truths about God. So that second, that second verse, puts, it's a curious verse. It says, the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. So here's two undeniable truths about God that we have to understand. The first thing is that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. The Bible tells us right there that the earth was without form and void and darkness was upon the face of the deep. But the Bible tells us in 1 John 1, 5, this then is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. So that's the first undeniable truth is that God is light and there's no darkness at all in him. And the second thing that we need to understand is that the God of the Bible is a God of order. 1 Corinthians 14.33 tells us, For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all, uh, as in all churches uh, of the saints, right? And so that word confusion is a synonym for disorder. He's not a God of disorder. He's a God of order. But that, that verse that we just read said that the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. So the question remains, why is the earth without form and void? Last week, we, 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 tent, we, we, we put forth what we find to be the solution to that. Um, but there can be two logical conclusions. Number one, either, either, either creation goes against the very nature of God, or two, something went down after verse one. So that's just some food for thought for you. The earth was without form and void. And so what we're going to uncover is that God brings, uh, he he. he creates something out of this void. Um, despite what, conclu uh, what conclusion you may come to, come to, what is undeniable is that God uh, brought order to the void. And so let's do a brief synopsis of the first six days of creation. Um, and so this is by no means an exhaustive study of what happened in the first chapter of Genesis. But just, to, just for you guys, I didn't think you'd want to spend a week per day, so we're gonna we're gonna spend a week on, a day on six verse or a week on six days. How about that? Um, and so there's a lot a lot of Bible reading today, but I just want you to be prepared for that. I want I don't want you to take my word for it. I want you to take God's word for it, right? So so we're gonna do a lot of reading today. Uh, let's pick up in Genesis chapter one verse three. 
what we're gonna find is that light is spoken into darkness in day one. That's a separate, there's a separation of light and dark and then day and night are distinguished. It says in verse three, and God said, let there be light and there was light. And God saw the light that it was good and God divided the light from the darkness and God called the light day and the darkness he called night and the evening and the morning were the first day. So that's what we find in the first day. The second day, uh, we find the firmament or outer space and the earth's atmosphere created. So let's look in verse six. It says, and God said, let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters and let it divide the waters from the waters. And God made the firmament and divided the waters which were under the firmament from the waters which were above the firmament. And it was so. And God called the firmament heaven and the evening and the morning were the second day. So that's day two. God creates outer space in the earth's atmosphere. On day three, earth is created and separated. So this is like land, seas, uh, planets. That's, what, that's what's going on in day three. Verse nine, it says, And God said, Let the waters under the heaven be gathered together unto one place, and let the dry land appear. And it was so. And God called the dry land earth, and the gathering together of the waters called he seas, and God saw that it was good. And God said, let the earth bring forth grass and herb yielding seed and the fruit tree yielding fruit uh, after his kind, whose seed is in itself upon the earth. And it was so. And the earth brought forth grass and herb yielding seed after his kind and the tree yielding fruit, whose seed was in itself after his kind. And God saw that it was good. And the evening and the morning were the third day. Sorry, I keep popping. I don't know why it keeps doing that, but I'm gonna put it up here. So there's a lot of reading. I, I want us to see that God is doing a lot of creating in these days, right? Um, so let's not get lost in what's going on. I've got, we, we're, we're headed somewhere, so follow me. In, in the fourth day, we see the celestial bodies created. That's the sun, the moon, the stars. And those were created for signs, for seasons, and for measuring time. God invents time here. Verse 14, and God said, let there be light, uh, lights in the firmament of the heaven to divide the day from the night. And let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years. And let there be light in the firmament in the heaven, uh, of the heaven to give light unto the earth. And it was so. And I just imagine how cool it would be if I could invent time because I'd add a few more hours to the day, man. That would be pretty incredible. Um, but I can't, so I digress. Verse 16, and God made two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night. He also, or he made the stars also. I mean, man, I love that. Like, God also made the stars. Like, he just throws that in there for, for a bonus. Um, in case you're wondering, he made the stars also, okay? Uh, that's crazy. Verse 17, and God set them in the firmament of the heaven to give light unto the earth and the rule over the day and over the night, and to divide the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good, and the evening and the morning were the fourth day. We're getting there, day five. This is where we, we get fowl and fish. The sea and air creatures are created in, on, on day five. And God said, let the waters bring forth abundantly the moving creatures that hath life, and fowl that they may fly above the earth and the open firmament of heaven. And God created great whales, and every living creature that moveth, 
which the waters brought forth abundantly after their kind, and every winged fowl after his kind, and God saw that it was good. And God blessed them, saying, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the waters and the seas, and let fowl multiply in the earth. And the evening and the morning were the fifth day. And now we finally get to the sixth day, where we see land, animals, and mankind created. Let's look in verse 24. And God said, Let the earth bring forth the living creature after his kind, cattle and creeping thing, and beasts of the earth after his kind. And it was so. And God made the beasts of the earth after his kind, and cattle after his kind, and everything that creepeth upon the earth after his kind. In case you didn't get it, this is after his kind. You understand that? That's not what, that's not what universities are teaching us today. Okay? Everything uh, that creepeth upon the earth after his kind, and God saw that it was good. Okay, so man, that's a lot of information. And we could literally spend weeks, if not years, uncovering the truths and the depths and the richness of those chapters. We believe in a God that created all, and, and he is infinitely creative. Man, he created the, the, the cardiovascular system in your body. Like, do you know how many hundreds of thousands of miles of, of blood vessels there are in our body? Uh, probably not hundreds of thousands, but there are, I, I've heard one time that there, is, there are enough blood vessels in our body to wrap around the earth, just one person, I don't want to lie, but at least once. I think, I think it's a few times. That's wild to me that God created such intricacies and, and it works together perfectly. Uh, the, the evolutionary probability of, of this happening are, like you can't even do enough math for it to make any sense. But that's not what we're talking about today. We're just, we're just I, I wanted to give you a brief synopsis of the first six days um, because we'll get to mankind in a minute, but I want you to consider while creation is factually amazing, um, w- like what we need to consider is what are the spiritual implications that we can pull from creation itself? Because the reality is just as God brought order to a formless and void earth, he too wants to bring order to the void of your life. We gotta get it. God wants to make something new out of you just as he did at creation. Genesis 1 not only lays out condition, the conditions necessary for physical life, we also see the conditions necessary for spiritual life. So let's, let's unpack this. This is what I really wanted to get to because what we find in verse 2 is that the Spirit of God moves. It says, uh, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. So in, uh, in order, for order to come to the formless void of our life, the Spirit of God first had to move in our hearts. So just as the Spirit moved upon the waters, the Spirit of God moved upon your heart and awakened you to, to, your, to the reality that you needed the Lord Jesus Christ in your life, that you were a sinner in need of a Savior. And in verse 3, we find the Word of God is spoken. It says, and God said. God spoke. And, and, and in order for you to come to faith in Jesus Christ, the Word of God first had to be spoken in your life because the Bible tells us in Romans 10, 17, so then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So whenever, whenever we hear the word of God, it, produce, like, it produces faith in our lives. That's what the Bible teaches us because we believe that the Bible is a supernatural book. It's not like any other book, okay? Whenever, whenever, God, whenever the word of God is spoken, the spirit of God is speaking into our lives, 
And then we also see from verse 3 that the light of Jesus Christ, it shines into the darkness. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. In the same way, uh, the light of Jesus Christ shines in our hearts upon salvation. So the moment we got saved, the light of Jesus Christ shone in our hearts. This is what 2 Corinthians 4, 6 tells us. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Man, you can't make this stuff up. God is doing a work literally here, but he's also showing us something spiritual. He wants to do the same thing in your life. You got to get it. Because in verses four and five, there's a separation of old and new. There's a separation of light and darkness. Let's read that. And God saw the light and it was good. And God divided the light from the darkness. And God called the light day and the darkness he called night. And the evening and the morning were the fifth day. And so just as God separated light from darkness, our old nature is divided and we are separated unto the new man. Colossians 1.13 tells us, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. We've been delivered from darkness. There's been a separation. Praise the Lord for that. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And so when we get to verses 6 through 25, what we're going to find is that God is molding and shaping us through the Word of God. And so here at this church, uh, we, we would call this discipleship. We want to be molded and shaped into the image of Jesus Christ. And so at this church, what we do is we model what Jesus did. I mean, the Bible tells us to do that, right? Second, or 1 John 2.6 tells us, For uh, he that saith, he abideth in him, ought himself also so to walk, even as he walks. So we need, to, we need to focus on what Jesus was doing with his life, and we need to mirror that. We need to model that with our own lives. And so what did Jesus do? Well, he made disciples. How did he make disciples? Well, he found the 12, 12 guys, the boys is what I like to call them. He found his boys, right? And then, and then he did life with them, okay? Like more often than not, what we find Jesus doing is life with his disciples, He's not always teaching them the Bible. Of course, he is teaching them the, the Bible. But more than anything, they're, they're learning the same way that our kids learn. T caught, not taught, right? They're watching Jesus do life. They're, they're, he, as he opens his, you know, the word of God with them, they're learning, but they're also seeing him do life with, uh, they're doing life with him. And, and so we're molded and shaped uh, through the word of God. And so... That's what we call discipleship. And so what we see in verses 6 through 25 is the phrase, and God said. We see that time and time again. And God said, and God said. And then it says, and it was so. God said something, and it was so. Um, it appears time and time again. It appears in verses 6 and 7, verse 9, verse 11, 14 and 15, 20 and 24. I mean, I could go on and on, but what we've got to get is that there can be no real transformation in your life without God's word speaking into you. Without, God, without God's word speaking into you, there can be no transformation. And at the same time, we need to respond to that, to the word of God with obedience. And it was so. Um, as the word of God molds and shapes us, the process of sanctification is taking place. We become more and more like Jesus as we yield ourselves to the word of God. 
And so what we've seen, what we've seen so far is that the Spirit of God moves, the Word of God is spoken, the light of Jesus Christ shines into the darkness of our hearts, and we're separated unto Jesus Christ and the new man. And we're molded and shaped into his image through the word of God. And in verse 26, we see this process of sanctification take place because we're conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. Verse 26, it says, And God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. And so this is the will of God for every believer that we would be more and more like Jesus every day. Upon salvation, the image of Jesus Christ, the image of God is restored in our lives and we become like Jesus as we're transformed by the renewing of our mind. So the way that God... The way that God does this, so God's desire is that all of us would become like Jesus. Now, obviously, we're human beings. We have what's called the flesh, right? The, the old man sometimes flares itself up. But God's desire is that we would walk by the power of the Spirit. And so in order to do this, we have to die to ourselves. In order for me to know what needs to die, I need to get in the book. The, the Word of God reads me as I read it. And, and, and the Lord convicts me and he molds me, and he, shape, he shapes me. And in Romans 12, too, it tells us, and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed. Okay, how do I do that? The Bible is really hard for, for us to understand, right? How, do, how, do I, how am I transformed? I don't understand. Well, just keep reading. By the renewing of your mind. How do, how do we renew our mind? We get in the book. That he may prove what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. I make a joke because a lot of times, I'll ask a question. I'm like, what does that mean? Why? Like the Bible is not clear in this issue. And then I keep reading the verse or keep reading the passage and I'm like, oh, I just, I just need to keep reading. It's, a, it's an inside joke with my teenagers. Maybe they laugh a little bit more at me. So uh, my dad jokes are, are not as funny to you guys. But uh, anyways, I'm a little, I, I, my, my, uh, Joke game is not strong enough, and I'm digging, I'm digging further into that hole. But what we find in, in Romans 12, too, is in, being, like, in order for us to walk as new creatures in Christ, we, we have to have our mind renewed through the Word of God. There's no other way. Psalm 119, verse 97, if you've got your Bible, go ahead and turn there. It gives us some insight into, into the Scriptures I love Psalm 119. It's, it's one of my favorite chapters. Um, if you've, any of my disciples know this about me, Psalm 119 is an important chapter to me because it's all about how David loved the Word of God. And when we get to verse 97, what we find is, is astounding. Uh, this is what David has to say about the Word of God. He says, Oh, how I love thy law. It is my meditation all the day. And so as he meditates on the word of God, this is what happens. Verse 98, thou through thy commandments hast made me wiser than mine enemies, for they are ever with me. I have more understanding than all my teachers, for thy testimonies are my meditation. I understand more than the ancients because I keep thy precepts. And so the idea is that as we get in the Word of God, the Word of God gets into us, 
man, our teacher is the one that created it all. Do you understand that? And so as we get in the book, as we, as we meet with our creator, the one that created all of everything, created our mind, we begin to walk in wisdom and we're transformed. Our mind is changed. Our heart is changed. It's transformed through the word of God. And, and, and we have the wisdom to walk in the world uh, towards those that are without. And then verse 15, it, it, it reiterates this point I'm trying to make. John 15, verses 1 to 3, it says, I, this is Jesus here, he says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the husbandman. Okay, so Jesus is, he's the grapevine, and, and the Father is like the gardener, the, the one that, that takes care of him. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. And so this is a, a gardening principle uh, he's, he's, he basically says, if, if it's an unfruitful vine, uh, branch, he's going to cut it off because there's no point to it. It's wasting energy that should be going to the, the branch that's producing fruit. And the one that is producing fruit, he's going to purge it so that it brings forth more fruit. Um, and that purging is like a pruning, right? It's a, it's a cleansing. And verse, verse 3 tells us how that happens. How does the process of purging happen in our life? Now, you are clean, through the word which I have spoken unto you. So the, the way that the Lord makes us fruitful, the way that he transforms and changes us, the way he cleans us and, and, and he, he gets rid of the mess inside of my heart and my mind is through the word of God. It's incredible. It's incredible that in the first chapter of the book of the Bible, of the entire Bible, God is laying out spiritual principles that if we would apply we, and walk in, we would have all that we need to walk in life. Um, and so this is how God brings order to the chaos of our lives. He transforms us through the power of the word of God. The same power that spoke life into existence, that brought order to the void, will speak into your life, shaping you into the likeness of Jesus Christ. And then in verse 28 of Genesis chapter one, we're back in Genesis now, what we find is uh, we are commissioned to bear fruit. Genesis 1.28 says, And God blessed them, and God said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply, and replenish the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. And so what we find is that this has been the plan of God from the very beginning, that his children would multiply. Now obviously, um, they were to fill the planet with with physical sons and daughters, but God has given us the same mandate today. God wants us to reproduce ourselves spiritually in the lives of others because God's intent from the very beginning was that Adam and Eve would populate the planet with sons of God, with sons and daughters. And due to the fall, this mandate, um, this mandate was, was, was broken, right? Due to the fall, um, they, they messed it up. But we find in Matthew 28, 18 through 20, uh, we, what we find is the Great Commission and how God has given us the same mission that he gave Adam and Eve, which is to make disciples of all nations. We want to see men and women become, be restored as the children of God, which we'll get into that here in just a little bit, a little bit more. But um, what, I want, what I want us to understand is with both physical and spiritual conditions uh, neatly laid out, like, we, we've got to get to the, like, where is Jesus in the text? 
And so I think John chapter 1 perfectly lays out where Jesus is at in creation. It says, In the beginning uh, was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So what we've got to get is that John is trying to paint a picture for us. He's using the same language that we find in Genesis chapter 1. He's trying to remind us, okay, I want you to remember Genesis 1. So when we read John 1, we should have that in mind. And so it's kind of a parallel passage. So it says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So if you notice, the Word there is capital. The same was in the beginning with God. So who are we talking about? So we're not talking about God. The same was in the beginning with God. Well, if you look at verse 14, it says, and the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. So we're talking about Jesus Christ here. So, so now that we understand who the word of God is, let's read the whole passage. And the, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. We're talking about Jesus here. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. So now we're talking about John the Baptist. We're going to get a little bit of his backstory. The same came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe. So we're talking about how John the Baptist, his mission was to Prepare the way for Jesus Christ. Verse 8, it says, And he was not that light, talking about John, but was sent to bear witness of that light. Uh, that was the true light. We're back to Jesus again. Which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. This is amazing. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And so what we, what we see is that God created physically in Genesis chapter 1, and he wants to do the same thing in your life spiritually. He wants to bring order to the void. Have you trusted in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior today? Have you called on him to bring order to the void in your life? Because if you haven't, today is the day of salvation. He wants to bring, he wants to create something new out of you. And so with that in mind, I want us to shift gears a little bit because now I want, I want us to see the capstone of creation. I want us to look at the pinnacle of what God made because it turns out that God saved his best work for last. Man, and, and if there's anything that, you, that I want you to get out of today, it's this, that we are the capstone of creation, mankind itself. And God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image, and in the image of God created he him, male and female created he them. And God blessed them, and God said unto them, be fruitful, 
and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. Verse 29, And God said, Behold, I have given you every herb bearing seed which is upon the face of all the earth and every tree in the which is the fruit of a tree yielding seed. To you it shall be for meat. And to every beast of the earth, and to every fowl of the air, and to everything that creepeth upon the earth, wherein there is life, I have given every green herb for meat, and it was so. And God saw uh, everything that he made, and behold, it was very good. And the evening and the morning were the sixth day. And so we've got to get this. We are of eternal value to the Lord. Uh, he made man in his image and in his likeness. I don't care what anyone tells you. I said this before. We are not animals. We've got to think about this for a second because what's being taught in philosophy today is that we are nothing more than animals and we can't control the, the, our primal urges. Right? What we're, what we're taught is that we are of no value. That is not true. That is simply not true because what, what the Word of God tells us is that we, what we find is that mankind was made in the likeness of God. That's incredible. Nothing else has that designation. I'm not saying that we're equals with God. As a matter of fact, man lost that image in Genesis chapter 3, and that's for another day. We'll get into that. But what I am saying is that God, uh, is that man was originally intended to be in fellowship with God for all of eternity. Nothing else in creation gets this distinction or designation. Mankind was given access to God on a deeply personal level. God cared so much about his relationship with man that once we messed it up, he restored it. You understand that? God cared so much about his relationship with man that when we decided that we knew what was best, we messed it up, he wanted to restore it. And I always joke about this with my students, but I want us to really consider if you were God, what would you have done? In that, in, in that moment, when, when the very thing that you, you, you formed it and you, you fearfully and wonderfully made these, these, these human beings, you created them in your image and in your likeness. And if you have kids, you'll understand what, like, and then they turn their back on you. And then they do everything wrong that, like, like you created the perfect conditions for them. Man, if I were God, three strikes and you're out. But God said, no, 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 no. I, I, need, I need this relationship restored. And so he sent Jesus Christ to redeem us. This is unique and special. It is only designated to mankind. And, and so don't be deceived. Mankind, we are the capstone of creation. The only creatures that were created in the image and likeness of God. You have so much to offer the world. If you would simply surrender your life to Jesus Christ, the world doesn't want you to know that. But God tells you that you are of eternal value to him, so much so that he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die on your behalf, to die the death that you deserve so that he could restore this relationship that he so craved. Let's consider this. Mankind is the only creature, uh, the only created thing that is made in the image of God. And I want you to consider this because in 2 Corinthians 4, 4 through 6, what we find is that Jesus Christ is the image of God. 
in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine upon them, or unto them. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who commanded, or who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. And so we've already seen Jesus as the word of God in Genesis chapter one, but now we see him as the image of God. They were created in the image of God. Mankind uh, had the very image of God. And thankfully, we too can partake of the image of God when we call upon Jesus Christ for salvation. The Lord is all about restoring that which was lost. He, he restored order from the chaos in verse two, and he wants to restore that order to your life. Um, and so now I want to deal with the likeness. So I'm gonna, uh, we're going to go back to last week in our mind a little bit. I want to tie some bows. Uh, I want to tie a, like a bow on what we talked about last week. And um, uh, what we got to remember is what led to the fall of Lucifer. Um, and, and his main desire was that he wanted to be like who? He wanted to be like God, right? Let's read that. How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground, which didst weaken the nations? For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. That's what Lucifer wanted. Yet thou shalt be brought down to hell, the sides of the pit. And so mankind got the very likeness of God that Lucifer so longed for. This is, you can't make this stuff up. This would explain Satan's frustration towards man. You understand that? He's not happy that we got what he was after. That's why he, that's, that was his, his intent in, in, in making man, man fall. We had what he wanted. And he was not happy about that. And the Bible tells us, be sober, be vigilant, be of a sound mind, be vigilant because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. And so what you find is that mankind was created, we got what he wanted and, and, and that, that did not sit well with him. And unironically, the very thing that led to the fall of Lucifer is the thing that keeps most of us from salvation today. We get lifted up in pride. We don't think we need a God. We, we want to be our own God. It's sad. Uh, not only did they have the image and likeness of God, they were also given the keys to the kingdom. I don't know if you picked up on that. But here's what, here's what God's intent for them was. And God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all of the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. And God blessed them, and God said unto them, Be fruitful, and multiply, and replenish the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. And so there's a Bible principle to pick up on there. Anytime God repeats something, um, we should key in on it. 
And so what he's trying to tell us was that he created man with the intent of ruling the world. <laughs> we, we, we had dominion over everything on the planet because God was delegating his authority to mankind on the earth to rule and to reign, to keep the earth. Mankind, God's greatest work, were to sit on the throne of God's creation, ruling over creation with one goal in mind. Um, they are commissioned to be fruitful, filling the planet with sons and daughters of God, so that the sons of God would multiply throughout the earth, bringing glory to God and enjoying Him forever. That was God's desire. When Lucifer found out that we, we received the image and likeness of God, man, he, he did whatever he could to trip them up. And sure enough, you know, sure enough, they tripped up. But God, but God still chose to redeem them. He, he chose to restore that relationship through his son, Jesus Christ. And so here's something that I want us to think about. Humans are unique to God's creation. It is through us that God chooses to have fellowship. It is through us that God chooses to fulfill his plan and purpose. Although Adam and Eve eventually lost the image and likeness of God, Jesus made a way for us once again to be partakers in the image and likeness of God. Therefore, it is through us today that God chooses to have fellowship. John 1.12 says, But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God even to them that believe on his name. It is also through us that God chooses to fulfill his plan and purpose here on this earth today. This, this is his plan. And all things are of God who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. So God's plan for us today is that we would be first and foremost reconciled back to God, restored back into this this uh, image of, in likeness of God, right? To become sons of God. And the second thing is that we would participate in the ministry of reconciliation. It's my job and my responsibility to share Jesus with anyone and everyone that I know. Share the good news and the hope found in Jesus Christ to wit that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. So it's by us that God chooses to, to have fellowship by humans. And it's also through us that God chooses to fulfill his plan and purpose in this life. And so please understand that you are fearfully and wonderfully made by the creator of all. The king of kings and the Lord of lords created you. And as such, he wants you to understand that you are of eternal worth to him. So much so that he gave his son Jesus to pay for our sins allowing us once again to bear the image and likeness of God, freeing us from the bondage of this world and enabling us to be a beacon of light and hope to the world through the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so that's the picture that God is trying to paint for us in Genesis chapter one. He wants you to understand that you are of eternal value to him. He wants you to understand that he has a plan and a purpose for you. And if you would participate in that plan, you're gonna find joy and peace and life. It's amazing how, how, how you can read through there and God is telling, he's telling us the picture of creation, but he's also showing us what he wanted to do in our life. And I'm, I pray that for some of you in here that you, would, that you would call out to Jesus Christ for salvation, that today you would, you would ask the Lord to, 
to bring order to the void of your life. And so in closing, we have seen how God brought order to the void, not only in earth, but he also wants to do it in your life. And number two, we, 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 uh, we saw how mankind is the capstone of creation. It's through, it's through man that God is going to accomplish his will and his purpose here on this earth. And so what, what I want us to get is that, w- that you are of eternal value to the Lord. Let's pray. Lord, uh, we love you so much. Man, sometimes I can beat up on myself and, and just think that I'm good for nothing and, uh, and, that, and that I have no value. But Lord, your word tells me otherwise. God, and so I'm so grateful that, that you would allow me the opportunity to be your child and that you've afforded me the opportunity through your son, Jesus Christ. And I pray that today, if there's anyone out here that doesn't know you as their Lord and Savior, that today would be the day that they call out to you for salvation, God, and, and that they would see that, they, that, that, you're of value to the, that they are of value to you, God, that you gave your son for them. And Lord, uh, I pray for those of us that have forgotten that, Lord, that we would remember what you've done and what you've called us to, God, and that we would take it seriously. And, uh, and God, that we would be disciples that make disciples. Lord, we love you. And it's in your name we pray, Lord Jesus. Amen.